I'll go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We're two landscape designers that have been in business well, well, well over 25 years. Yeah, 100 years. We've been doing this for 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, through this podcast, because we've been working in the field for so long, we've come up against almost every situation you can imagine. And so we're doing this to share our information with you. So you'll find the easiest way to get where you want as far as landscaping, design, growing, etc. And we're even going to share our foibles and mistakes and anything that can make a wonderful landscape environment for you and your family. Right, 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 right. Well, um, Yes, I've certainly made mistakes throughout the years, and you, you just learn from them and you go forward. That is what gardening is about, because you can have the perfect setup, perfect soil, perfect raised beds, and perfect seeds or perfect starts, and then something goes wrong. Who knows? Could be slugs, snails, earwigs, weather. You never know. But you or your just, irrigation system goes haywire and it all dies. Or you don't even have an irrigation system and whoever what kid you had water uh didn't water so there's um there's all these different factors but that doesn't mean you need to just completely give up on it because we are in northern california and you know across california all the way to the east coast it's growing season now and we can be growing our own food so, uh, Michael, you just shared about the pluots you harvested. I did. About a year and a half ago, I planted my front yard and um, I got rid of some half-dead trees and I decided to plant a pluot tree. And I, I don't know what I did right because I did do some things right, but I planted, I went to get the biggest specimen I could find and it was a little B&B, &B, bald and burlap, little teeny stick because that's all the nursery had at the time I bought it. And I put it in the ground and I watered it and I fertilized it. And whatever, it, it's in the perfect storm. But this little teeny twig, and I, and I kid you not, was probably about four and a half feet tall and probably had a caliber that means a trunk size of about a quarter of an inch. It was teeny and three leaves. Um, it just, it exploded. And so the tree before I pruned it in the last winter was 15 feet tall with a trunk size of about two, two inches. Um, this year, after I pruned it out or anything, it had beautiful flowers and actually some of the flowers produced pluots. And what they say is the first couple of years, up to three years, you're not going to get any fruit or if you do, you're only going to get one or two. Well, sure enough, I got two pluots. And they're forming and they're beautiful and I left them along. And yesterday I actually picked them. They were perfect. Gave one to my wife and one to myself and we ate them. And can I tell you, they were heaven on earth. They were so delicious, so sweet, so amazing. And the satisfaction I got that I grew it myself, I can't tell you how wonderful that was. Yeah, so now just tell people what a pluot is. Oh, is a cross between a plum and a... Um, Apricot. A, a apricot, a pluot. Yeah, and there are different varieties as well that you could plant. So, um, so we're in an area where we could we could grow almost everything. We we still are a little bit frost tender for avocados, and of course, in the east, that's not going to happen. Nor is citrus, but we do also have citrus. 
And, um, but we're also, you know, California wine country, we can grow grapes like crazy, kiwi. And um, if you have protection um, in areas where it gets cold, you can as well. But today we want to talk about the most basic, the most basic, which are tomatoes. And I was just looking online of, uh, I looked up the cost of organic tomatoes. And tomatoes are going from anywhere between $2.99 a pound to $4.99 a pound if you buy the heirloom tomatoes. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you get starts or seeds for heirloom tomatoes versus regular, it's the same price. <laughs> so you can grow these $5 a pound tomatoes. And let me tell you, some of these tomatoes are almost a pound in themselves. So not only do you get the satisfaction of growing your own food, but you're saving a lot of money. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is, depending on you plant them, like I, I don't have a big area for planting. I know Roberta works in a community garden, so she has her own garden. We have one horse trough right by my outdoor kitchen. It's eight feet long, two feet high and two feet wide. And we actually have cherry tomatoes and beefsteak tomatoes that are thriving. And it is so nice to just go out there because they get full sun and pick off the cherry tomatoes. In fact, Fridays we um, is, is our pizza night. We make homemade pizza and we put the cherry tomatoes on the homemade pizza. But we don't buy cherry tomatoes. We pick them from our own garden. And I will tell you, my wife will not eat tomatoes that are store-bought because they always taste stale, whereas the fresh-grown ones are amazing. Yes, they're, they're really amazing. And you can interplant your tomatoes with fresh basil, fresh oregano, fresh thyme. And then um, what else is easy to grow, which right now I'm harvesting, are green beans. Green beans, Romano beans, red beans. I mean, the, some of these varieties aren't even available in the store. And yet, they, I planted by seed this year. And they're all up and I've been harvesting by the bag full. So, um, again... You could go to the farmer's market, and I still do that, too, because I've tried growing celery many times to no avail. It's always woody and icky. So anyway, I usually – there's some things I get there. But growing kale, growing chard, growing um, lettuces. Lettuces, um, I looked that up as well. You could spend anywhere from $1.99 for a head up to $3.99 a head for a red Boston lettuce. Again, seeds at the same price. Lettuce is an easy thing to grow. Absolutely. And the other thing that's really interesting, I grow lemon cucumbers and they look the size of a lemon and they are fabulous. And again, those are outrageously expensive at the store. I know it's so crazy. So um, now cucumbers at, at our farmer's market last year, I grew um, English and Japanese cucumbers and they were delicious. If you've never tried a fresh organic cucumber that was harvested that day, you're missing out because they're crunchy and delicious. And, you know, even the organic ones that you buy in the store, they generally have to be packed and shipped. Okay. Right. So they're not right off the vine. And these are easy things to grow. And, um, you know, even if you're in an apartment building and you've got a little terrace, you could buy a half wine barrel, 40 bucks, and plant, you know, put in good soil, drill some holes in the bottom, and you could have tomatoes and herbs and flowers. And how nice and that is. And if you wanted to look decorative, which is what I did, I actually bought some topiary frames. Those are kind of decorative frames instead of just the wire frame that tomatoes grow on. I put the topiary frames and I train 
a the tomatoes and also the lemon cucumbers and recently some one a uh, friend came over and they go oh my god i love that what a great idea to train instead of just vines to train your tomatoes or your vegetables on these topiary frames so it's artistic as well as functional that's right and you know tomatoes lend themselves to being topiaried they are so hardy so um you could look at um different youtube um videos to see how that's done so that's wonderful you could topiary rosemary that's going to stay green all year your basil is an annual it, it will come and it will go and you have to replant it i don't unless you're in a, like a really tropical area that never gets cold um it, it is something that's considered an annual but imagine you could grow these herbs and flowers and tomatoes and peppers are also pretty easy to grow um things like um the vining plants, like Michael was talking about, the beans, they could vine quite a bit. So you really do need some kind of structure and a trellis or a topiary um, structure, which recently a friend of mine's daughter bought three huge ones at a garage sale. So, again, you don't have to go out and spend a fortune. You just right. And a little hint um, and I wrote a book on, in fact, there are four books on children's gardening. And one of the things in the first book, it was called Kindergartens, that we talked about is kids don't like vegetables, or most kids don't. But if they grow it themselves, they really, they take ownership and so they love it. So one of the things that we suggested was a lot of the kids have the old toys, old, um, you know, like, like uh buckets that they use for in the sandbox or a fire fire engine you know with a, that were done in either plastic or metal or anything and they grow out of them and they don't want them anymore but they make a really cool planter so if you have something that that is all self-contained like for example the tonka truck you can actually fill it with soil put holes in the bottom of it put a little gravel fill it with soil plant one or two like a, a small herb or something that grows like a small tomato and the neat thing about it is you can teach your kids about gardening because the the gardening of course the tomatoes need sun so if it's in a little truck that moves around when you put it in the shade they can kind of roll it down the way and put it in the sun and use it as a toy that is also a living vegetable garden and it's a great way to reuse old toys the kids get into it and you recycle things and it's fun and it's and it looks great it's a great idea good luck finding vintage tonka trucks i uh i remember trying to do that because they, they make great succulent planters yes yes uh, the tonka trucks nowadays i think mainly are plastic and you know the old metal ones boy if you could find those that's great or very often you can find old radio flyer wagons that's what I was just going to say. The PF or radio flyer wagons, the metal wagons, those would be great for succulents. Those would be great for herbs because, again, all you have to do is put holes in them, put the soil in there, and then you can move them around depending on the salt to keep them in the sun, move them around, and, and you've got this movable vegetable garden. You do. You do. And if you're in a home and you're in a temperate climate like we're in, you can consider growing grapes. And there's table grapes, there are wine grapes, and you might not have ever considered getting into winemaking or even beer and growing hops. 
But um, this is an opportunity. This whole year and a half of COVID have changed a lot of things for people. And gardening has been one of the biggest changes. And we talked about early in the year, in fact, we interviewed two different people that worked at two different nurseries, how they could barely keep vegetable starts in and fruit trees were almost impossible to find. So, so many people, because they were stuck at home and they have landscapes or some earth, turned to gardening. And we just want to make sure you know that it doesn't take an acre of land or a half acre or a quarter acre. It could take a balcony as well. A balcony, a big oversized pot. You know, um, it, you can get value. I mean, it's it's small space gardening, and that's what's so neat about it. You also can, and Roberta had talked about that before, you can terrace things. If you've got a wall, you can actually do an herb wall. And we talked about that before, where you use the woolly pockets or you use the gutters, and you actually can plant some herbs. You wouldn't do certain vegetables, but herbs would be great. And you can put it on a wall and then water it. And again... Um, if you can't grow out, you can grow up. You can. And it works the best for herbs because remember, these are shallow planters. So um, things like corn, you know, they need they need to go deeply um, into the into the earth, deeply rooted. But they're wonderful, wonderful for herbs and succulents and um, even some drapey perennials, um, different kinds of geraniums and whatnot. So you can you could grow almost wherever you are. Almost. Almost. <laughs> so, um, so it. I brought this up again because I know we've talked about it. Um, just because I've been harvesting and Michael's been harvesting, and then um, also looking at the price of organic food and what it costs. And remember, if you are going to build a bed, and I, this is just a little aside here, do not use pressure treated wood. If you right. want to grow organic vegetables. You need to get wood or rocks or pavers, anything but pressure treated, and do not use railroad ties. They've been soaked in creosote, and the uh, pressure treated has arsenic. That's what makes it uh, more bug-free. So you might go through all this trouble building beds, getting new soil, and then come to find out you're using uh, toxic wood, which, you know. Exactly. So you're basically poisoning yourself. Um you know, and, and that doesn't work. That's one of the reasons why, as I said, I like the horse troughs because they're also nice because um, snails and slugs cannot climb up them because they have a chemical reaction with them. And they, you know, if they go on the metal, they suddenly they'll die. So it's nice because they're inexpensive. You can get them at any feed store and they, you can move them around. Yeah, and you could get the little round troughs too. So you don't have to get the horse troughs or sheep troughs. You could get the small ones as well. So um, also, uh, if you drink coffee in the morning, your coffee grounds are wonderful feeding acid to your soil. So um, I read a whole article on how we throw out so much food. And if you're growing your own food, and let's say, you know, you like your carrots peeled, okay, Peel your carrots, but don't throw your peels out. Peeling potatoes, don't throw them out. The end of the onion, don't throw them out because all of that can go in a pot with water and you can make your own vegetable stock. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we throw out, uh, I forgot the numbers, but it's a huge amount of food where where even berries, you know, like let's say you buy blueberries and, and you've washed them, but they're not quite as, you know, vibrant as they were. 
put them in a pot with a little water, maybe a little honey or some dates. You can make a great compote. You don't need to throw this out. I will tell you, and that's one of the things that I do for leftover fruit. So I'm a fruitaholic. I love especially stone fruit at this time of the year. And sometimes you buy too much of it and it begins to get really soft and mushy. So most people throw it away. I don't. I make popsicles out of them. I take any of the older fruit. I put it into a mixer, a blender. And then I just, the secret is no sugar. You just throw it in there. Of course, you take the pits out. You don't have to skin them. You can just put them in with the skins and all. But you add some lemon juice. The lemon juice brings out the flavor. No, no extra sugar. You just blend them up and then you put them in popsicle holders or, you know, or, or molds. And let me tell you, they are healthy. They're delicious. Um, it's a great way to use your old fruit. And um, it's great for your kids and your family and they're nutritious and there's no extra sugar added. And what brings out the flavor, as I said earlier, was the lemon juice. It really brings, and you don't even have to add ice. You just make it straight out of the out of the, the fruits into the molds and it's, it's fabulous. It's really good. And if you wanna go a step further and sweeten it a little bit, you could add a little honey, you could add some fresh dates. And then when you're putting them into the mold, add some, Thick coconut milk. Then you can have one of those creamsicles. Do you remember those? The, um, those are good. Those are very good. So there's, there's all kinds of things that you could do. Another thing that you could do with almost anything you grow is to dehydrate them. So if you've ever bought a bag of kale chips, you're looking at six bucks for, <laughs> I don't even know, two ounces. And right. uh, my daughter lives back east, and she loves my recipe for kale chips. And um, what I do is I just wash the kale, I take the hard um, stems out, and then I gush it all together with some, um, well, I take uh, cashews that I've soaked overnight, I put them in a blender with some um, nutritional yeast and turmeric and um, paprika, and I mush it all together, and then I dry it, and they're delicious, and they are so healthy, and you've saved yourself so money, so much money, so if you have a dehydrator, all your fruit can be dehydrated. You could even make carrot chips out of raw carrots. I wouldn't do it with the potatoes, but with the raw carrots, you could do it. You could do it turnips, all kinds of things, so I think we have the power. We are the people. We have the power we could start doing things differently. So don't throw away your peels, don't throw away the ends of the celery, um, make chick, you know, make your uh, vegetable stock or dehydrate or, um, oh, I just found this great recipe for making what looks like a Pop-Tart. And they took peaches, dried them, crushed them, and then cooked them with fresh peaches, which are in the market right now, the farmer's market. Right. Just what, just what Michael said, Put them together, blend it, make it nice and thick. Maybe you might want to add a little bit of um, cornstarch or something like that to make it even thicker. And then uh, you could buy uh, a ready-made um, pie crust, and you can make your own Pop-Tarts. You know, you just spread it on there, put the other layer on, and put the fork around it. So you don't have to spend all this money on processed food when it's so abundant and growing it is even right there in your yard. And extremely healthy. And the one nice thing about drying your own fruit, in order to sell dried fruit, they have to add sulfates into it. And I'm one of those people. I mean, yes, the fruit looks great. The peaches look, they have a nice color. They're not brown. Um, the problem is, is that being allergic to sulfur and sulfates, 
when I, if I eat more than one piece of dried fruit, my throat starts closing up. I have to use a, a take an allergy pill or an inhaler. So I can't do a lot of dried fruit, but when you make it yourself and you put it in a, a dehydrator or you dry it yourself and you don't use the sulfates, um, you can eat as much as you want because um, again, I'm not allergic. It's not the fruit I'm allergic to. It's the sulfates that they have done to keep the pretty color. Right. Yeah. So you you could buy the ones without the sulfate and they look dried and icky, but they're still very good. But when you make them yourself, again, nothing replaces that. So being at the, I guess, with the height of summer, didn't we just pass the summer solstice? Yes. First. Yeah. So um, now is when everything is available. And, you know, most of my potatoes that I have growing in the garden, I have a garden here, um, I have one downtown, but I the one here, when I buy potatoes and I don't use them quick enough, they grow, they start growing, you know, little seed, you know, what little roots on them. Tubers, yes. I cut them up and put them in the garden. So most of the potatoes I have right now in the garden, and they're huge, are from potatoes I bought to cook and didn't get to them in time. And um, I, so I threw them in the garden. That's awesome. Yeah, and I have tons of them. And and looking at you know red potatoes right now, organic, they're three ninety nine a pound. Yams can be three ninety nine a pound, and these are so easy to grow. So um, so both of us, you know, we talk about landscape, we talk about design, but all of that design beauty can be sustainable, and that's what we're talking about today. Growing vegetables. I love using artichokes in the landscape because I love the plants, and you get artichokes. And the one thing that's really wonderful, I mean, you know, even if you spend more to grow it, there is such a wonderful satisfaction to know that, especially yourself, or if you have company over and you serve them and they go, oh, this is delicious, to be able to turn to them and go, thank you, I grew it. You know, there's just such a satisfaction to know. I guess it goes back to our farming days, but to, to be able to say that you grew it yourself, you didn't just go to the store and pick it up, but you actually grew it out in your yard. There's so much personal satisfaction. I have to say there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better. Well, we have enjoyed sharing with you and we hope that this has inspired you to, to get growing. Um, you know, it's not just the summer that you can grow. You can go into the fall and you could start uh, growing more of the cruciferous vegetables, your Brussels sprouts and uh, it's kale and lettuce, those and carrots, those all continue on, beets. So, um, so we hope we've inspired you. We are inspired. You've heard both of us talk about our harvest. We get so excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I am Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. And we are digging deep. Digging deep. We never get it together at the same time. But anyway, yeah. we're, both, we're both digging deep. We're both here and we enjoy sharing with you. Thanks for joining us.